in my household uh, that I was grow, grew up in, my mom and dad, especially my dad, taught consequences. How many of you had parents who taught consequences? And it's not, not real popular today. Everybody kind of lets everybody do what they want to do and, and no real consequences. But uh, we had great consequences in our home. For instance, if you complained about the food you were eating, you missed that meal and the next one. You're excused from the table, and you couldn't eat the next meal, and you couldn't snack. So I want to tell you, nobody in our family, none of us five kids complained about the food. We just didn't. Whatever was there, we ate. Burned offering or whatever, we ate it. If you were late for curfew, you got your rear end beat. We call it a spanking, but that's the way it happened. You didn't, you didn't ever come late for curfew. You, you smarted off to mom or dad? Smart aleck answer? Oh, my goodness. More posterior work. You, you, you learn not to do that. If you got in trouble at school, whatever you got at school, you got double that at home. So, needless to say, I grew up with consequences and understanding that choices matter. You know, that's true. Our choices matter. Our choices determine the course of our life. And one of the things that is missing in today's society is that we're afraid to teach consequences. We're afraid to offend somebody. I don't think my daddy was ever afraid to offend me. It just wasn't a problem. And now I realize my mom and dad taught me right and wrong, and they loved me. And I thank God that they loved me enough to teach me about consequences, that I can't just do my own thing. And spiritually speaking, I love you enough to tell you that there are consequences for rejecting God. When you reject God and when you reject Jesus, there are consequences. And I know this probably is not a real popular subject, but it's still true. Hell is the consequence for rejecting Christ. The Bible actually talks more about hell than it does heaven. Jesus talks about it. He tells us because he loves us. Now, the good news is God has done everything necessary for us to avoid hell. God's plan is not that any man should perish, but that all men should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we have to understand there are consequences. So let's talk about, number one, what do we know about hell? Number one, it is prepared or made for Satan and his angels. We see that in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus said this, then the king, he's giving a parable, and he, and he uses this. 
Then the king will return, will turn to those on the left and say, Away from you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. Interesting. So hell was not prepared for you and I. Hell was prepared for Satan and his demons when they sinned against God. When they made the choice to rebel against God, hell was prepared. Why? Because there are consequences for actions. And so the second thing we know is that hell is the destination for those who reject Christ. Jesus gave several parables. He talked quite a bit, actually, and used the reference of hell and Hades and fire. One, I would just use two uh, short references. One is is in Matthew 13, verse 37. I want to read that to you. It says, Jesus replied, the Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The yield is the world. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who plants the weeds among this wheat is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Watch this. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And in that same chapter, just a few verses later, you see a second parable, and he uses a second a reference in verse 49 and 50. He says, that is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it is a truth that there is a consequence for rejecting God. There is a rejection of Christ ends up. And and it's kind of interesting, you think about it, hell was prepared for Satan and his demons, and when you reject God, you are in a sense choosing the devil, and so you are saying, I want to go where the devil is going to go, and where is the devil going to go? He's going to go into hell. And finally, the lake of fire. And so, the destination for rejecting Christ is hell. The third thing we know about hell, and that is, it is emotional anguish. You notice that term that you saw, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, hell will be emotional anguish because it is knowing we could have avoided hell. You know, it's one thing to reject Christ not knowing, but knowing that the end is hell, it will always be an anguish of, oh, I could have made, I could have made the right choice. I, 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 could have, I could have done it. I knew better. You know, every person I believe has a sense, what I call, of, of right and wrong, of what is good and what is evil. And I think God will call us into account for not walking in what we know. And so there will be that emotional anguish of knowing 
I could have made the right choice. I could have walked with God. I could have chosen Jesus. You know, you live in a world, you live in a United States where we, we have abundant ability to know about God. We have the Bible in many translations and many opportunities. We have it on the Internet. We have the Word of God. We have the truth everywhere. We have it much more than other places in the world. And to know and to reject. There will be an emotional anguish. There's, there's also the reality of physical anguish. And that is, you see this in Luke chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. It says it very simply. He says, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to tip Dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in these flames. You know, at 9-11, when we had that terrible terrorist attack and the planes hit the Twin Towers, I don't know if you remember this, but many of the people who died jumped to their death. And the reason is obvious is that the planes, the, the flames were below them and they were burning up. And those people on the top floor recognized there was no way to get down. And rather than being burned to death, they chose certain death. Because the, the whole idea of being burned to death was more than they could handle. I want to tell you, folks, I hear this joke every once in a while, and I just want to tell you it's not a joke. I've heard a guy, several people joke, and they say, oh, I'm going to go to hell because, you know, I'm just going to have a big time drinking beer with all my buddies that rejected God. It's not something to be teased about or laughed about. It is not a fun place. It is a place of torment. It is a place to be avoided. And it brings up an obvious question, and it's probably this question that you've asked before. Maybe you've heard somebody ask this question, and that is, why is there a hell? Why, 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 and, and I've heard it this way. How could a loving God send anyone to, to a terrible place like that? Well, I have several things that I want to say about that. And first of all, we know better. Romans 2.15 tells us something very simple. And that is all of us are given a sense of right and wrong. That's what Romans 2.15 says. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. For their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. You and I have a sense of right and wrong. And let me just ask you a real simple question. If you know about or hear about a judge that lets a murderer go free, and they, everybody knows they're a murderer, and the judge knows he's a murderer, would you not be incensed? Why? Because they didn't get what they deserved. How do we know that? We know that without reading the Word of God because we have a sense of right and wrong. What kind of judge would he be to let a murderer go free? What kind of God would we have if there was no consequence? 
for rejecting Christ. Our very sense of human dignity tells us that our choices matter. That we make choices. And those choices make a difference in our life. Think about this. Just consider this. If a person rejects God all of their life, they reject Christ, they reject God, they don't want to have anything to do with Him, then when they die, doesn't it sound reasonable that they would go to be somewhere where God is not? Why would they spend time with God when they've spent a whole lifetime rejecting God? The truth is, if you reject God and instead you choose Satan, and you say, well, I'm not choosing Satan, I'm just rejecting God. No, when you reject God and his ways, you have chosen Satan and his ways. Because that's what Satan did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. You can do it. You don't need God. You can be your own God. You can choose right and wrong on your own. You don't need God. And when Adam and Eve made that choice to reject God and his word, then they chose to listen to the enemy. The rejection of Christ, the rejection of God is demanded by human dignity, by a sense of fairness, and the reality, and here's the good news, that God has done everything he needed to do to help you to avoid a terrible death, a terrible consequence, a terrible hell. And I have to admit, someone asked me if I was going to preach on hell knowing it was Family Sunday. <laughs> And that kids would be in here. Well, kids, I love you. And I want you to know the truth is hell is real. I was saved as a young boy when a preacher came to the church and he preached on hell. That's how I got saved. And in my young mind, I thought, I don't want to go there. I want to be with God. I want to choose God. I want to walk with Him. I want to know Him. I want to love God with all of my heart. And I gave my heart and my life to Jesus, and it stuck. It worked. And I've walked with Him ever since. And I want you to know, any age here, no matter how old you are, God has made a way. So how do you avoid hell? How can we avoid such a terrible place? The good news is, it is simple. He didn't make it difficult. He made it simple. So that every man, every woman, every child could choose to avoid hell. And the truth of it is, when someone asks you, how could God send anyone to hell? You need to tell them the truth. God does not send anyone to hell. We send ourselves there by our rejection of Christ. God has done everything he can to avoid you going to that place. And he simply wants us to know 
that Jesus is the way. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. We are not getting to heaven. We are not getting to the Father except through Jesus. He is the door. He is the way. He is the only way to the Father. That is the truth. We have the Word of God in Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. You know, that tells me right there that it doesn't have to be a real long, flowery, uh, holy-sounding prayer. It can be, God, help me, I choose Jesus. Just calling upon the name of the Lord. And then he goes on, explains it a little better. And a few verses earlier in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, he explains that just a little bit. He says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. So it starts out by what? Believing in your heart that God did what he did through Jesus. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you were saved. So you believe it, then you confess it out loud, what you believe, and God says you shall be saved. It doesn't say you have to go to church for 10 years and then you can go to heaven. You don't light 47 candles and get to go to heaven. You don't give so much money and get to heaven. You don't try to be a good person and help the poor and help the needy and get to heaven. We do all those good things because we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and we give Him our hearts and our life because we believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and then we are saved. And because we are saved, then we want to do all the things that we want to do. And then we want to serve in the house of hope, and we want to minister to people. We want to help people. We want to be a blessing to people. We, we believe in being a blessing to a lot of people. Why? Because we have a relationship, not because that's going to get us to heaven. Powerful verse, a couple of passages in Titus. First one is in Titus 2.14. says this, He gave His life to free us. From every kind of sin. If you're here today and you have sin and it caught you, it's got you. He gave his life to free you from every kind of sin. To cleanse us, that's the forgiveness. And to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Notice it says to make us his very own people. Here's the good news. And that is that. God wants you to come to Him because He wants to have a relationship with you more than you want to avoid hell. Does that make any sense to you? He wants you to be, have a desire for a relationship with Him, not just get out of flames. In other words, believing in Jesus is not a fire insurance policy. He wants you to be in love with him because he's in love with you. 
And because he's so in love with you, he sent his son to die on a cross for you, shed his blood so that your sins could be saved and he could free you from every kind of sin so that you could be his own special people. That was what God wanted to do. And then the last passage I want you to see in Titus chapter 3. Just verse 3 through 7. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. How many of you would agree with you were once foolish and disobedient? We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy, evil, and envy, and we hated each other. And that's the truth. You don't know Jesus, you spend all your time hating one another. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Thank God. He washed away our sin, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because of His grace. He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. He made the way. He paved the path. He opened the door that you could have a relationship. Now, there's some people in here today, and the devil has been lying to you. This is what the enemy says. The enemy says to you, you've done too many bad things to be forgiven. You've made too many wrong choices. You've done this and you've done that. And then the devil begins to have a payday in our mind. And we begin to think, he begins to remind us of all the wrong choices, all the terrible things we have done. And you know, we can sit there and we'd almost get caught up in thinking about all the terrible things we've done. And then the devil uses those things to tell you God doesn't love you. He couldn't love you. And even if he did, he could never forgive you because you've done too much. But here's the truth. When the devil reminds you of what you've done, you need to say, thank you, devil, for reminding me how good God's grace is. Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven me and washed me and cleansed me and that God, you have used this opportunity to remind me that your grace is sufficient to wash away all of that. And the devil, you are a liar. The enemy does not want you to believe the truth. I was talking to somebody this earlier about this. They recently made a decision to follow after Christ. Thank God. But I told them this. I said, whenever you make a step toward God, there is a corresponding resistance from the enemy. Literally, you choose God and walk toward God, all hell breaks loose. Because the enemy does not want you to walk in the truth that you have found. He doesn't want you to 
figure out and understand how good God is and how much He loves you. He doesn't want you to understand how much God cares about you and the great things He has in store for you. And before you get established in the truth and before you get a habit of righteousness, the enemy wants to see if he can shake you and get you to turn around and walk away. And I want to say to you, stand your ground. You've made the decision to follow Christ. Stand your ground. Don't waver. Don't back up. If anybody backs up, the devil backs up. That's why it says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That sounds like we're on the offense and he's on the defense. So I want to encourage you. If you've recently made a decision to follow Christ, don't be surprised if the enemy tries to shake you. Stand your ground. Others of you, Brother Ben said it earlier. You're heading in the wrong direction. You need to change direction in your life. You need to seek after God. You need to choose to follow God. You need to choose to follow Jesus. There are only two choices in this world. Follow God or follow follow the devil. That's it. Has a lot of other things around but those really you boil it all down that's it you either follow God or you follow the devil and only in Jesus is there life and everlasting life only in God is there peace and joy and forgiveness everything the devil has for you he wants to destroy you wants to eat your life away and destroy you and I want to encourage you today choose them hell is real it is a consequence for rejecting Christ not a fun place and it's done everything he can so that you could avoid that terrible place somebody ask you that question how could a loving God send anyone to hell just understand the reason that it's even possible for us to go to hell is because he loves you and gave you a free will you see it's your free will that gives us the relationship to be special if you didn't have a free will it would be no relationship But he loves you enough to give you free will. And when he gave, I guess you could say hell is a consequence of free will. You have a free will. But he wants you to use that free will to choose him. And to reject the enemy. Bow your head. Heavenly Father, pray for individuals in this room. And I thank you, Heavenly Father that the truth of what I've spoken would penetrate the hearts and the minds of every person. Lord, what I have spoken is the truth. It's always been the truth. It will always be the truth. And I thank you, Father, 
for softening hearts. There's some hardened hearts here tonight, this morning. And I ask you to soften their hearts, Lord, to know how much you love them, how much you care for them, how you want to set them free and forgive them of their sin and set them on a new course for their life. Lord Jesus, I pray that hearts would be softened. Thank you, Lord. And that the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus would set every captive free. Thank you, Lord. The precious name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand to your feet. We're going to sing that song that we sang a moment ago. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Yes. What a beautiful name it, it is. is. The, the name, name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of morning, if you would make the choice to follow after Christ, to choose Jesus, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Meet me right here. I want to pray with you. If you would make the choice to avoid hell and choose God, choose His way, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Come quickly. Spirit of God is speaking to some hearts as a people right now. You need to make that choice today. Every age, young, old, you need to choose Jesus today. Every age, would you choose Jesus to say, yes, I want Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Thank you, young man. Come on. Got some kids up here. Any age, we invite you to come. Yes. Thank you, young lady. Choose Jesus. Make the decision to say yes today. Maybe you've thought about this in the past. Maybe you said, well, maybe I, you know, I, one day I'm going to do this. I want to encourage you. Don't put off till tomorrow. Don't say it's going to happen tomorrow. Make the choice today. Make the choice today to say, Jesus, I want to choose Jesus today. Thank you. Got some kids coming. 
I just want to say this. Some of you, some of you might say, well, you know, are these kids too young? I was young. When I gave my heart to Jesus as a young boy, did I understand everything? No. You know, you don't have full knowledge. But I want to tell you this. Even though you might not have full knowledge, you know enough to choose Jesus. You know enough to choose Jesus. And if your children can say, yes, I want to choose Jesus today. You don't force them. Don't push them. But if they want to choose Jesus today, they can choose Jesus today. And it can last. It can stick. It can make a difference. A lot of kids here. Older adults. Anybody else? I don't want to rush it, but I don't want to just be slow here. But I feel like the Spirit of God is saying there's someone else. Okay. Heaven waits. This is a heaven or hell decision. When I say that, I mean that literally. Heaven or hell. You walked out of this room. You were killed in a car accident. The decision you made at this altar would decide heaven or hell. It's the truth. Okay, here we go. Kids, I you to listen up. I'm going to pray. Every age, parents, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to ask you to pray after me. Okay? Follow me. ask you to pray after me out loud. And we're choosing Jesus. You understand? All right. Can you do this? Can you raise your hands? It's act of surrender. Okay? Let's raise our hands. Pray out loud with me if you want to. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you, Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I turn from my sin. The blood of Jesus is my forgiveness. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me a brand new person. Live inside of me and be my Lord. Teach me your ways. I choose heaven. I reject the devil. I reject sin. And I want to choose Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Whoa.